Hello and welcome to Regional Classics, a podcast from the University of Oxford, which reflects and celebrates the diverse voices of Oxford classicists, past and present, from different parts of the UK, all the while creating thought-provoking conversations, breaking down barriers, and showing that if you want to study the ancient world, any aspect, politics, history, art, science, literature, culture, and much more, then you can. Oxford classicists do not and need not come from only a narrow cross-section of society. This episode features three Oxford classicists from the southwest of England, an area recently identified as one experiencing classics poverty, that is, a lack of access to classical subjects in schools. Joining me today to talk about their own pathways into classics from this underrepresented area are Dr Rebecca Armstrong, an Associate Professor in Classical Languages and Literature at St Hilda's College, Molly Gibson-Mee, a former Classics and English student at Oriel College, where she was also a Master's student. You might know her YouTube channel, Molly at Oxford, which has over 11,000 subscribers. And Justin Vivian-Jones, an undergraduate at St Hugh's College, where he studies Classics and German, and he's in his third year. Thank you all so much for taking part in this podcast. So, Justin, can you tell me which part of the Southwest do you come from and, and what was your first encounter with the ancient world? OK, um, so I am uh, from the Brendan Hills, which is in Somerset, uh, kind of just below Exmoor. And uh, I grew up for the, so the first few years of my life, uh, we're kind of around the Bridgewater area, the village of Stigersey. And then when I was about 10, we moved over to the Brendans. Um, so I grew up through village schools. And I went to Kingsmead Community School, which is a state comp in Withliston. And then I did my sixth form in Richard Hewish in Taunton. First encounter with the ancient world is a really good question. Um, so I'm really lucky in that my parents were always very big on making that kind of a part of our lives. Uh, so ever since I can remember, we've been you know, traipsing up and down hill forts and going to places like Kirlian and um, to museums and stuff. But within the classroom, I guess primary school is probably the first encounter. I remember doing fantastically creative stuff uh, with the Egyptians and the Greeks and the Romans, and it was all really sort of colourful and exciting, so that stands out still in my memory. Um, secondary school, I don't really remember much to do with the ancient world directly, although um, on a slightly bored afternoon, um, I did just pick up the Iliad um, from the uh, school library, I think it was the first, first person to grab it since 1998, um, and just started reading it and loved it, so I think that was possibly you know, part of my early journey towards classics. But in terms of the actual study of the ancient world proper, um, I was uh, on the open day at Richard Hewish and I just happened to bump into a fantastic teacher called Sam Desmond um, in the corridor there. And we just got talking and basically, yeah, she introduced me to um, classical civilization, which was the bare level she taught. Uh, and it just sounded you know, really fun, really exciting. Uh, and I thought, you know what, I'll give it a go. Um, I was planning to do French, German and maths uh, level. I thought, you know, I could squeeze a cheeky bit of classical civ in there. Uh, you know, a bit of diversion, a bit of fun, and you know, I can you know, focus on my proper subject at the end of the year. Within the week, I was completely in love with it, head over heels, um, and just never really looked back. And then Sam, the whole community of classics there, because it really was a community, um, that subject, more like the exams were kind of a formality. It was like just being there in the classroom that was the thing you were there for. Um, they were fantastically supportive, and that kind of gave the energy and the drive, which got me to apply to Oxford. In combination with German which is something I've been really lucky to have since about year seven because um, Kingsmead one thing it does really well is it gets everyone learning languages I think that really kind of got me firing on the cylinders I'm now using to study the ancient world 
Uh, but yeah, so I'd say there's been a fair few points in my life which the ancient world kind of made what could be described as a first entrance. But uh, yeah, it's, in a way, it's kind of always been there, but also there's been like you know, those points where it's come in. Uh, yeah, so my experience is similar in some ways, but different in a lot of others. I remember probably doing similar stuff at primary school um, vaguely, but I think the first real encounter I had with it in school was in year 10. We had, I was doing history and we had a module called um, the history of medicine. And we spent one class doing about like Roman medicine and hygiene and looking at aqueducts and the Roman baths and things. And my teacher, when she was organizing the school trip for history, decided that Rome somehow tied in to our overall course based on that one lesson and um, organized this, a school trip to Rome. So we actually went to Rome in year 10, but I knew absolutely nothing about anything I was looking at. And I have this memory in my mind of being stood in the forum in the pouring rain and having no idea what I was looking at and just feeling really miserable, which is obviously very frustrating to look back on um, because I was surrounded by obviously the forum. Um, but that was the first encounter I had with it. I, it wasn't taught in my secondary school. Um, and then uh, I think outside of school, I remember first seeing it extensively in the Percy Jackson books. I read them when I was in school, uh, absolutely loved them. Um, and so when it came to choosing my A-levels, which were at a separate further education college, because my school and lots of schools in the area didn't have a sixth form, we were choosing our A-levels. And like what you said, Justin, I was, I had my three main ones. I knew I wanted to do English. So I chose English literature, English language. And then I, I also went to, a, I went to a language school and they said that French was uh, a good thing to do. So I did French. And then I was choosing a fourth one because this was back when um, AS levels existed. And I thought I would use the fourth option as a way to take a chance on a different subject. So I saw that classical civilization was an A-level and I knew that I enjoyed that from the Percy Jackson books. And I thought, okay, I can do that for a year, have a bit of fun and then drop it and focus on my main three subjects. Um, and then I fell in love with classics. I had an amazing teacher. She, she was absolutely incredible and really brought it to life. And we started off with Cicero and like Roman law. So it wasn't, it was immediately like something that could have easily been like a bit boring for a bunch of new A-level students, but she made it so exciting and so engaging. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. And so uh, that was like the first real encounter I had it had with it as a, as a subject. Um, and this is all to say that um, I was, this was all happening in North Devon. I come from uh, North Devon and yeah, I went to a secondary school, state comprehensive school, and then I went to a further education college in the area. Right, well, I, I also have a North Devon connection and my um, sort of first half of my childhood was spent um, there as well. And that is probably where I was when I first encountered classics through the the Osborne Guide to the Ancient World, which had three in one. It was ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, ancient Rome. And I read it and read it and read it. And uh, I had no interest in Greece or Rome. It was, <laughs> it was all about Egypt. But as I got older, I, you know, sort of became a, kind of the classic interests, I suppose, the, the Greek myths and read sort of Roger Lansing Green's versions of them and various other slightly more modern versions um, and I remember at primary school, we, we were allowed to write a story for some reason, and mine turned into an epic about an escaped slave called Marcos, um, 
which I was allowed to stay in at lunch break to finish by Magnum Opus. So that was that was quite good. But differently from you guys at um, secondary school, I actually got um, this was back in the days of governments funded scholarships to um, to private schools. So I, I went to an independent school. So I actually started learning Latin and Greek at, at secondary school and uh, well, actually started learning Latin and then rather later started learning Greek. Um, and that was I mean, I was kind of already interested in in the stories and the cultures, um, but that was where that I got my first taste of languages. And I loved Latin and Greek always kind of terrified me and it's continued to terrify me a bit but uh, but I also really loved it and by the time I got to a level sort of numbers of takers had dropped off so Greek in particular was basically me one other girl and a teacher in an attic um, learning Greek which is quite a sort of romantic um, flavour to it um, but in terms of kind of sense like more widely of yeah of kind of classics being something to do I don't remember it. It's sort of feeling like, I don't know, it just didn't feel like a path that that many people knew about. And if they did know about it, they were kind of a bit like, why why would you want to do that-ish? Um, so it did, yeah, it did kind of, um, you know, it was not until I got to Oxford where suddenly there were loads of other people doing classics that I thought, okay, it's not actually a completely weird thing to be interested in. Yeah, do you feel that perhaps the rural background of where most of you guys were from influenced your own feelings about the subject because you weren't around as many people studying it? Although I know you've all mentioned great teachers and other influences on you. Did that form an additional kind of barrier to the subject? In some ways, in some ways, yeah, I think I think that's right. That if you if you if you don't belong to an area where that's kind of well, it's, let, let's be honest, it's not mainstream anywhere anymore, but, you know, where, where, where it's, it's sort of more common, I think that that can, you know, make you feel that, like, you're super square, no mates kind of person at risk of, of being that. Um, but conversely, and this might be rather going off, off piste, so by, by all means stop me, stop me about this, but I'm, personally, I think that having grown up in the countryside gives me, like, real kind of, a sort of affinity with an awful lot of classical texts and I've ended up writing about um Virgil's Georgics and I'm not I'm not a farmer and um, neither was he come to that but um you know there's a sense in which that that kind of sense of like not being embarrassed about talking about the countryside not having to say oh well it's all about you know poetry about poetry or it's all a kind of political allegory or something but actually say no I mean there's this joy in the rural life which and again I'm not trying to to say that North Devon in the 1980s was anything like Italy and you know sort of whatever the 50s BC but um sorry got the dates wrong but anyway uh but but it's yeah I do I do think that actually you know one can be very positive about what what coming from a, a you know non-urban non-southeast background can can bring to classics yeah I mean I guess that kind of building on from that um because we're kind of slightly from outside the traditional bubble of where classes tend to come from um so because we're from a little bit more communities that don't necessarily get as represented as much or where there's not as much sort of outreach that actually does give us that kind of perspective that yeah um I think like writers like Virgil really did have where you're kind of the country kid that comes in and sees this culture and sort of 
falls in love with it, but also has this kind of perspective of slightly from outside, slightly seeing it differently. And that kind of feeds into something I find classics generally does, which is it just enables you to sort of take a little bit of a step back and view sort of what's around you a bit more objectively just through the lens of, you know, how do we look at another culture and then how does that help us sort of look at our own? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, obviously my situation back then would be different for people coming from the same area. Now, I think purely just because of the AS system and allowing people to take a chance on a subject they might not have otherwise taken a chance on. And so I think because that has been sort of taken away with this new um, A-level system, I think it need, people need to be more aware of classics as a subject because until I was choosing my A-levels, I didn't know about it as being a subject. I knew I liked the Percy Jackson books and I knew that I enjoyed looking around Rome, um, but I didn't, under, I didn't know about it as a subject. And even now, like when I talk to people from around here and I said that I studied classics, like often they would take that to mean classic literature, like Jane Austen or like Shakespeare. Um, I think because I was always associated with English, they thought that was what I was studying. Um, and so I had to actually explain, you know, when I say I study classics, which is the study of the ancient Mediterranean. So I think having to talk through that each time meant that I always felt a little bit like separate from my Devon life. But I felt like my Devon life and my Oxford classics life like never really connected in that way but there were instances when they did so uh one of my favorite uh pieces of work is dart by alice oswald um so i studied classics in english and there was a lot of classical reception involved in my degree and um as part of that i looked at dart by alice oswald which is about the river dart which like obviously flows through dartmoor and things and um she uses a lot of sort of classical voices and, and classical reception in that work and that's where i felt like a real crossover and then when i was like translating the eclogues for latin core i think it was um you know going through all the different names of different trees and things um i was like why do i feel at home suddenly with the eclogues um so i think there are kind of barriers to the classics in this area um i think particularly the not having the as system and not it not being taught earlier than a level very often um particularly in state schools um, I think that is a, a barrier, but I also think that when I am able to connect the sort of rural uh, Devon background with the classics, that's where I felt most like engaged with it and most able to um, really connect sort of both halves of my life in that way. So. Yeah, that's super interesting how your ge geographical background, I think, has influenced all of you in your various academic interests and, and that affinity with classics. You raise also there a great point, Molly, about the name classics and about what it means to different people and how people interpret that and sometimes in influences their view of, of our subject and also of what we do as classicists. It's a big topic, but do we what, what are people's thoughts on the name of classics, the rebranding, the, around how we can try and make it more accessible even to those students who, as we've said, sadly aren't necessarily able to study it at school? Um, I mean, I don't mind like jumping in here. I think, I mean, obviously, the classics has its own as a subject has its own history its own legacies um and its own problems i think immediately there when you determine something as being classic um i think often people assume that it's just greek and roman languages and literature because that's where it originated back in like 1800s uh, 1900s but the classics as we know it today particularly the oxford course has broadened it so much beyond that um and there are so many different areas now to look at i think it's become a lot broader but I think perhaps there needs to be sort of more done to bring an awareness of just what classics actually 
is now and a less of a connection with particularly I think I mean I know that the languages are very important and I very much appreciated the chance to learn them both of them at Oxford but I think that can be quite intimidating when that's the forefront of what we know as classics particularly if you're coming from an area that doesn't ever often offer Latin or Greek I didn't have Latin or Greek offered at a level at all it wasn't listed I mean there were barely enough people doing French so um and so I think like yeah I think that can be a bit intimidating and it certainly was for me um when I first started at Oxford um I was a bit intimidated at first with the idea of learning so much language when with other people who had been doing it for for quite a long time um and so I think yeah just really opening people's eyes to what classics is and how much there is encompassing within that um rather than being focused on the very small minority of classics which is Greek and Latin languages and literature and I actually found that quite interesting that my master's was specifically called Greek and or Latin languages and literature Like I could never really say to people I did a master's in classics because that just wasn't what it is because it was a lot more specific than what we now consider classics to be when that in fact was the sort of origins of classics so I think yeah just making people aware of how broad it is and how much more there is going on un under the surface. I guess one of the great strengths of classics is that it is just so, at least as it's taught now, incredibly diverse. I mean, you could do everything from, you know, um, gender studies through to archaeology and from linguistics uh, through to sort of study poetry and oratory. Um, and I guess you could come up with something like ancient world studies or something, but even so, um, there, I, I guess this whole subject is something that is in a sense a little bit arbitrary like we have this period that we use as a springboard to talk about things like pertaining to humanity in general and bringing in sort of parallels especially in the joint schools uh, so yeah, like classics and oriental studies um, for example is a really rich degree but classics is probably a little bit more helpful than the oxford title literary maniores but um again yeah it is the kind of thing that it doesn't quite do what it says on the tin. You need to sort of, you know, spend a fair few sentences unpacking it once you tell anyone what your degree title is. I'm not sure if um, that much more to add on, on, on that in a sense. I mean, I, th I, th I think certainly I can, I, get, I, I mean, I, I see a lot, a lot in the students that, that I teach of a lot of people who are always assuming that somebody else knows more than they do. And, and I think that that, you know, for, for people who, who arrive at university and begin studying, um, one of the ancient languages, you can see why they might they might feel that way because there will be some people who have already done an A level in Latin and a smaller number who have done A levels in Latin and Greek. Um, I suppose what I'd like to emphasize here is is that you know I, th I think that, that that is taken into into account and I think that you know that the support that, that's given is, is a sort of very positive thing. And, and I, I'm sure it doesn't work 100% of the time, but, but very, very largely um, people who have started out feeling um, perhaps at a slight disadvantage actually come up very quickly um, to, to a, a level where, where they're, they're very comfortable working with the texts in, in the ancient languages. So while I'm absolutely all for, and I think we definitely should emphasize the the breadth and variety and diversity of the course which which is absolutely true and, and of the subject more more widely um i was just going to kind of i suppose because this is my thing as a as a latinist you know that that um i absolutely put put in a word for this the, the you know that the value of studying things in 
the languages in which they were they were written. Um, it's not the only way in which they are studied, but it's a it's you know it's a really fascinating gateway and kind of learning about um, yeah all sorts of things about how much culture is contained within language and you know how how this sort of idea of kind of you know what does such and such a word mean and you suddenly dis- discover that there isn't a one-on-one correspondence at all and in different contexts you know this word can mean different things and it rather depends who's writing and when they're writing and all these other kind of complexities which which emerge from um, studying in language, uh, you know, in the original language, uh, as well as also making use of, of translations in, into English, is is one of the really valuable things. I think, you know, regardless of whether you've studied these languages before or not, when you get to it at, at university level, there's a whole new way of approaching things that can open out to you. And how, Justin and Molly, how have your experiences with language been influenced by the fact that you have done joint honours degrees, that you've both done English and German alongside classics, despite not necessarily having the classical languages beforehand? How have you found those combinations? So as I touched on before, um, I'm really lucky to come from a school that really gets people having contact with language learning. Uh, So everyone at Kingsmead um, does at least one GCSE in French, German or Spanish, which, although they're not like directly classical languages, they're still languages. They provide, they're almost like, you know, sort of gateway um, towards carrying on and sort of developing that um, bit of your mind if you want to sort of chase things that way. So although I hadn't done classical languages here, uh, sorry, before coming here, um, I actually found it was kind of something I could adapt to quite readily. Um, I think something that we... um, yeah, maybe haven't quite emphasised enough yet, is that Oxford actually does have really good provision for people who come here without languages. There's something called Course 2, um, which is so anyone who's done classical languages before has their own version of the course, but there are specific exams, specific sort of papers and expectations for people who've not um, got the languages already. So, you know, when I came to do my first wave of exams, um, I had like papers that were designed for people who had done, just literally started Latin in the year before, uh, which was, which is good. So it's, it's like a sort of, it's a completely valid and dignified space. And it's actually, you know, with a fair bit of clouds and boost up your mark so that if you do well relative to what you turn up with, it's not just how good is your Latin at this point. Um, but yeah, I've absolutely really loved it. I mean, I'm a bit of a languages person anyway. I'm doing way too many at the moment, kind of juggling about six and loving it. Um, but uh, yeah, so you start off, you turn up here, you have um, one class every morning with a regular group of people who are also learning. Um, and what that actually does is it really creates a bit of community within course two, which I really like. Um, so pretty much all of us are from state school backgrounds. Um, there's, a, there's a little bit of overlap. So I've got one friend um, who's wonderful. He basically taught himself Greek and Latin and did course one, um, but that, that's an ex- that's quite a like, magnificent exception, but that's an exception. Most of us from state backgrounds um, will sort of all be together, but we'll all be in the same rooms and the same classes with the same tutors, and it really creates this little sort of sub-community. And then there's uh, sort of pages that link different years together. Um, so one thing I've actually found is that, yeah, being part of this sort of, it's not even a subculture, but it's something that's kind of new, is this kind of cl- course to um, to the state classics uh, kind of group. Um, it's really good, it's really affirming, it's really dynamic, and again, it's really diverse. I've got a lot in common, but also there's people who are 
like really into sort of uh, looking at sort of societies and how we think about ourselves. There's some people who just really, really like concrete. Uh, and there's people like me who just want to kind of do a bit of everything and find the most ridiculous links. Um, being a joint honours student, I, classics in German is fantastic because with joint honours you're sort of trying not to drop all the plates you got spinning at once, but generally it's a really sort of rich and enriching thing. You can pretty much always bring something new to the table as well in terms of discussions because you have insights from another subject. But yeah, in short, I found language element really enriching here and uh, yeah, as Rebecca was saying, um, it, there is no better way to put yourself into the mindset of a culture you're studying them by looking at the way that they use words and think about language and writing how they sort of identify themselves through these labels how these labels change and are appropriated and are received across time and this is something very much reverse engineering to think about you know how we use um terms in our own languages absolutely fantastic molly yeah so i've always said that classics in english particularly classics in english course two is the best degree at oxford and i still stand by that I think it takes like all the best elements from classics, all the best elements from, from English and just combines them so well. Um, one thing I really appreciated about the structure of course to classics English especially was, um, um, so we were we didn't do mods, uh, we did uh, prelims, um, but like we did almost two sets of prelims, but the first one were more like just like entrance exams into the rest of the course. So the way that classics in English works is you have a course too I mean you have a preliminary year where you almost exclusively focus on learning whichever language you've chosen to do um, some colleges will have bits and pieces of English and perhaps some classics essays here and there um, but generally your focus is on the language and then you have exams at the end of your first year um, where you kind of part you pass them and then you can start the full classics in English course one um, with having done that year first and I really like that because it meant I had that year to just fall in love with Latin um, and really I was amazed by how quickly I was able to go from nothing basically to to actually translating the Aeneid and every time I, I, I started to translate things that were more complicated I just got so excited and um, I just yeah really fell in love with the intricacies of the language and um, I always had to know why something was the way it was so in reading classes I would always be the person stopping being like but why is this an ablative like why, what is it doing? Like what ablative is this? And, and trying to figure out and really piece together the sentence and, and what was going on. Um, and I, yeah, I really, I really loved that. And I think classics in English, I personally really enjoyed spending that year focusing almost entirely on the language. Um, and then, yeah, going through the rest of it, I didn't do Greek until my master's, um, but you can do it as part of your undergrad. Um, for classics in English you can do it as one of your finals options and one of my friends did do that um, and so yeah even though it's the joint honours degree um, you're still given the same language training and you're still given the opportunities to do both Greek and Latin at various points um, uh, particularly for course two and so um, I really appreciated the opportunities that gave me and actually one of our papers in our finals um, the epic paper a part of that was um, comparing the, uh, an original passage from the Aeneid um, with uh, a, a translation of it. And normally it was um, Dryden's translation. Um, and he, he does such wild things with translation. And you wrote, basically wrote a sort of mini commentary of you know, how he's translated it and, and what choices he's made and, and how, how that's come across. And, and that really made me appreciate what a sort of skill and, 
and, and how much decision making really does go into translation. Um, and from then on, I've just really enjoyed looking at different translations and really, you know, feeling out exactly why they've made certain choices and certain things like that. And it, it formed a part of my master's uh, dissertation as well. So I, ca I considering that I didn't do any Latin beforehand, I didn't go to any of the summer schools, uh, mainly because I couldn't afford them. Um, I didn't do any Latin at A-level or school or anything. And, and to go from that to where I was at the end of my master's, um, it really did feel like an achievement. And I know that I wouldn't have got that anywhere else except um, at Oxford on the on the classics course. So I, I do think Oxford Classic English, I love it. I still love it. I still promote it all the time as being such a wonderful degree, particularly at Oxford, because I think it's just so well thought out. Um, and the options and the things you can look at is, are just really exciting. That's so wonderful to hear. And especially after having left now for more than a year to still have that same passion, not just for your subject, but for that particular course. Indeed, it's it's infectious. I can feel the, the joy from here. Rebecca, I'd be interested to hear as well about your experience of Oxford is obviously as a tutor and as someone who therefore interacts both with students, but also um, does your own research. What have been some of your favourite aspects of that combination on, of your current classics experience? Well, one one thing that's that's quite satisfying. So, having mentioned earlier my uh, interest in Virgil and the Georgics, I um, um, after it took me a long time for various reasons, including having babies. Um, but I, I finally finished a couple of years ago um, the book that I've been working on for a long time about plants in Virgil, and. I think uh, it, it's it's kind of serendipitous in some ways that, that I didn't finish it earlier than I did, even though in, in other ways I was quite, quite frustrated not not to have got on with it. Because um, I think one of the one of the things that's happening now with with um, with a lot of the, the students coming up and um, is that there's much greater interest in environmentalism and the environment more broadly. Um, and whereas in the past, sometimes when I kind of um, perhaps I, I, I wish I'd taught Molly the eclogues rather than perhaps some of my other students who look at me blankly when I'm trying to talk about can you visualize a beech tree and I'm just like no um, but I think now you know there really is much more of that kind of growing sense of, of interest in, in in all that sort of thing and, and, a, and a, 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 yeah kind of um, real enthusiasm for for um, for exploring ways in which um, I'm just going back to one of the things that Justin's talking about, ways in which, you know, our kind of current interests, concerns, fears um, can in some ways be mapped on to and reflected in um, readings of the ancient world. Um, so that's a sort of quite a specific thing. Um, but I think more generally, um, I mean, I, I definitely as a tutor kind of really enjoy the, the sort of differences between my students and the way in which um, you know, yeah, you get you get really different views from different people, and um, you know, and you might you might have somebody from you know, if you like, the kind of background where the really stereotypical kind of I don't know they've been to Eton or something like that, but they're in a room with you know six other people who have definitely not been to Eton, and and just this sort of sense of that kind of interaction and the 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 growing realization that you get amongst everyone about both both the differences between between them and the differences therefore of their assumptions and their attitudes to the subject, but also um, you know this kind of real sense of actually things level out a lot 
and um and it's really yeah it's just really interesting to see the, the sort of dynamics emerging be- between people and the way that way that you know some some people sort of instantly much more ready to take I don't know say a kind of political view on things and others are kind of I don't know interested in artistic representations and all you know all these all these things can kind of cut, come in in together and and that that, that kind of sense of uh, yeah, I don't know sort of melting pot kind of fe- feeling that goes on um in in classes is 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 really nice when um yeah when I kind of take a break from telling people why it's in the ablative well, I wish we'd had a class together to talk about plants, because that was one thing that when I was trying to learn Latin and just love looking in the dictionary, looking for different plant words. And um, when I was lucky enough to go to Pompeii, seeing an actual buxus or a strawberry tree or a box hedge, I was extremely excited. Nobody else was, but I thought that that was very cool. <laughs> so that's great to hear. I think we've we've all mentioned parts of how of what classics means to us and also what it means to people at the moment. Um, but can we talk a bit more about about the very current relevance of the subject, which we've already said is so broad and encompasses so many different things. But to those people that, that ask, and I'm sure we've all had the question from people in our lives, you know, why bother? Why? Why should we study classics? What would you say? Why? Why is it relevant? I'd say number one. It's brilliant. Um, It's absolutely worth and valid doing in itself uh, because it will take you on this madcap journey through all times, all places, from even the basic course of mods takes you from studying like the cultural attitudes of 6th century BC Persia through to the sort of um, art of 3rd century AD North Africa. And you have all these charismatic and dynamic and brilliant and utterly awful people that you sort of step into their shoes and try to see the world from their perspective and you go headlong tackling some of the biggest questions of human existence and addressing the big questions that we have at the moment as a society and looking how we can inform our understanding of ourselves and our situation and our background through the ancient world and how through the ancient world has been received which is another really big bit of classics that don't get that popularized um so on one level it's just fantastic and if you find this kind of thing even remotely interesting as an idea, I would really, really recommend chasing it up, seeing what it can offer you, um, whether you're a fan of, you know, cool pots or agricultural settlement organisation or poetics or whatever. Actually, classics is really, really employable. It teaches you, yeah, it teaches you cool stuff about the ancient world. What it really teaches you is things like the ability to analyse and process a huge amount of information really quickly and come to reason and well-argued judgments. It teaches you uh, to interface with complex and contradictory and very nuanced points of view it gives you a sort of sense of empathy and an ability to appreciate where other arguments are coming from um whether that's people you're in the room that you're um yeah you have sort of sets of different assumptions and you sort of reach different conclusions to them whether you're engaged yeah so respectful discourse but also just you know looking at something that is on first reading abhorrently awfully so something like propertius who just makes me sick to the stomach when i read him sometimes but then if you just try to think, OK, what if I was, you know, what if I'd grown up in the world that this person had grown up in? What if I sort of tried to strip away my cultural assumptions? Can I see anything redemptive? And usually not with Propertius. But, you know, it's, it's just the exercise of being able to put yourself into another perspective and trying to sort of unbuild your own assumptions. Um, or skills like just being disciplined, working to schedules. You'll have a lot of deadlines 
as a classicist um, and the ability to you know, crunch through and learn languages and um, address all these really diverse types of information. These are all really, really good employable skills. And these are really things that employers do look for. I was really privileged to work with the Oxford University Classic Society earlier in this year. And um, we had some people coming from the career service and talking about basically the fact that, yeah, a degree which actually teaches you directly to do a job is great and valuable in itself. It's a wonderful thing to do. But a degree that teaches you a vastly broad skill set and teaches you to communicate convincingly, brilliantly, eloquently. This is, again, a really useful skill. You basically learn to process, you learn to present, you learn to argue, reason, think through, think sideways, um, and to wrap this all up with a way of sort of communicating and presenting and developing your ideas through dialogue that actually stands you in really good stead for a whole bunch of jobs. So just thinking about people who are uh, leaving classics right now that I know, so my uh, um, college father, so a guy in the year above that's sort of like my, you know, um, almost sort of like a buddying system. Um, to help first years along and then we you know stay mates all the way through um he's going off to work in goldman and Sachs. Uh, i've got somebody in my year doing classics in english who's going on to i think commercial law so transferring to law um so that's you know finance and law they're sort of things that classes do go into we've currently got a classicist in number 10 um we've got uh yeah i know i can see the reactions the audio can't hear that um, <laughs> uh and but jobs all over the place really diverse employment markets um and obviously the skill set to learn a language and you know interface with other cultures is also fantastic if you then want to go on to you know further study and move into um different places abroad so essentially there's this kind of twit there, there is the reason going incredibly way back to the start of this tangent um that simply studying the ancient world is brilliant and if you want to do it do it you only live once um why not study something that's absolutely fantastic um but also it's really employable it's really hands-on it's really sensible um it's good and really it just gives you the confidence to kind of back yourself and just get out there and take challenges on and have discussions and learn things and just you know get on with it so i'd say definitely very much a degree worth doing uh yeah so I, in terms of like how classics is relevant today, one thing that my dad always likes to jokingly say uh, is, uh, oh, it's all in the past. You know, it doesn't matter because it's all in the past. And he always winds me up whenever he says that because a lot of my degree, especially classics in English, is looking at how classics has been received by later texts. I think Oxford, especially with the um, APGRD, the Archive of Performances of Greek and Roman Drama, um, there's a big focus on classical reception, particularly at Oxford. It's why I was so excited to do my master's there as well, to pursue that even further. Um, but yeah, classical reception is basically how the classics has been received by later texts. And, and, and this can be at any point throughout history, but I always love doing it when it's present day um, texts, like modern, modern texts. And, and if you look hard enough, classics is still everywhere today. Um, and I love examining how it's been used both for good and for, for bad, um, and, and how it's still quite present around us today. So one of my um, favorite bits of work I did throughout my undergrad um, as part of my uh, dissertation um, was reading this uh, book of poetry by uh, Joe Shapcott, um, which was uh, the Metamorphosis, I think. I think that's what it was called. Um, but it was a book of poetry and um, she wrote it after she had been diagnosed with breast cancer and she used Ovid's Metamorphoses to really engage with like her, her thoughts and her feelings about being diagnosed with breast cancer and her actual cells mutating and 
and how she saw the world and things like that. And it's one of the most beautiful pieces of poetry um, I've, I've read and I loved reading it. And I think that is a very personal example of how classics can still be used to process sort of thoughts and feelings and emotions today. Um, but yeah, there's, there's sort of classics everywhere. And um, that's where I get the most enjoyment out of it is looking at it today. In terms of um, employability, I, I did a, an undergraduate degree and a master's degree um, in classical subjects at Oxford and uh, I got a job. So <laughs> um, I currently work for uh, Murray Edwards College in Cambridge um, in the communications team, uh, creating content for prospective applicants uh, to help them with their process of applying to Oxford, uh, to Oxford and Cambridge uh, top universities. And um, yeah, all the things you were saying, Justin, like I think employers are increasingly recognizing how important transferable skills are. And I think especially when you're younger, there's a, a lot of talk going around. It was the same for English, you know, like why do an English degree? Why do a history degree? And I think, yes, it, it might be sort of tempting to do a subject where there's a very obvious job at the end. Um, but like you said, even people um, do, doing classics will go on to stuff like law. So you don't necessarily have to do law to become a lawyer. I know lots and lots of people who have gone on to become lawyers after doing classics. Um, there's so many different paths. And I think transferable skills, uh, people do definitely recognise them, particularly with a classics degree and particularly for somewhere like Oxford. Um, people recognise the amount of work that goes into that, the amount of sort of detail that you have to process. For me, as a, in the communications team, um, I was able to use a lot of the work I'd done, particularly um, presenting, because there were a lot of opportunities to present my work um, throughout my undergrad and my master's. You know, actually talking through these things, which for a lot of people, if you're presenting, particularly for an audience that may not be overly familiar with classics or may not even be over, they might be classes, but they might not be familiar with what you're doing. That was often the case for me in classical reception. If I ever presented what I was working on to people who might be working on something within classics completely different, you have to make it, you know, understandable, approachable, things like that. And so for me, working in a communications role, a lot of that carried over from classics and also with the languages you know, really breaking down a sentence, how a sentence can be translated, how things can be interpreted, um, how to, like prose comp, that helped me kind of think about how to word my sentences, how to create my own um, languages. So my own like like uh, pieces of text, I should say. And yeah, so I, I found a lot of the skills I've gotten from my time at Oxford, both undergrad and postgrad, to have transferred over into the sort of sphere that I want to go into which is like communications in particularly with higher education um, but there are so many different career paths particularly for classes that it's, it's just unbelievably broad um, so I think I the, as I sort of get further away from my time as a student I know it's only been like a year but it, you know as I move further away from the student realm I'm starting to really appreciate the value in doing a degree that you really enjoy and that you really found value in uh, for itself because so there are so many transferable skills that come from that and so I, I was worried at first when I was choosing to apply to university you know I'm going to be doing classics in English which are two subjects that people have long said are unemployable basically like I'm really worried about this what should I be doing um, but the more I sort of move more into the sort of uh, job realm I realized actually I'm really glad I spent that time at university doing something that I loved as much as I loved my degree. Again, best degree at Oxford, still say it. And so I, I really appreciate having that time doing something that I really enjoyed um, and, and picking up all these different skills um, which have helped me 
um, in the in the job that I currently have and jobs that I will have in the future. Um, I guess as, as the one who entered the vortex and, and never has not yet left classics, I'm a slight outlier here, but um, I certainly endorse everything that's been said about that sense of, um, you know, that studying classics certainly doesn't doesn't shut the doors. It, it gives you a whole range of um, doors to look at. And if you choose not, not to open them, but end up doing graduate work and then getting temporary jobs and then eventually getting permanent jobs uh, in classical academia. Um, that's, there's not many of us who end up doing this, you'd be, you'd be relieved to know, but, uh, but that's also a possibility. And um, unsurprisingly, therefore, I'd also very much kind of agree with um, both Molly and Justin in, in, in their um, encouragement to, to, to think about what you find interesting. Um, I think, you know, studying anything is worthwhile if it's what you find interesting and doing something thoroughly and well and working hard at it and succeeding and sometimes failing. But, you know, making progress, all these kinds of things are incredibly valuable um, in life. And gosh, this makes me sound old, but, but sometimes when there's, there's a lot of this kind of conversation about relevance, what is meant isn't really relevance, because what we've just been talking about is absolutely how classics is relevant and kind of always has been and always will be and, you know, in all sorts of different ways. What they mean there is, is it precisely about something that you could come across on TikTok or what, you know, whatever it might be, I don't know, you know, nowadays. And, and I think that's quite insulting to young people. I think they're quite well able to be interested in their everyday um, and what they see around them all the time and also be interested in things that happened 2000 years ago or you know however long it might be um, you don't you know you don't have to sort of don the tweeds and the leather elbow patches in order to study classics I think it's you know it's very much a subject that's open to and welcomes all sorts of different attitudes and backgrounds um, and approaches and I hope that's really encouraging for our listeners to hear as well that this is open and accessible and an inviting subject and an inviting place to come and study if we can finally briefly just think about our listeners who might be listening from North Devon or Cornwall or Dorset or another part of the southwest and what what would you say to them what would be your one message, your one takeaway to either your past self or to a, a, a prospective student now from those areas thinking about maybe, maybe doing something classical at Oxford? Well, one of the things that I've heard from people at home that absolutely breaks me is I just don't think Oxford's the place for me or I don't think, you know, classics is for me because it's too posh or it's too sort of otherworldly and ivory tower. It is for you. It is exactly for you reach out grab it it is brilliant classics is what you make it especially oxford classics and oxford is this thriving mad diverse place that basically if you can just chuck a shed load of enthusiasm at it you will thrive it's about the most buzzing diverse place i've been in my life there are so many sort of uh, subcultures and social microclimates and just groups everywhere these brilliant people that you will find a place that fits you in um, yeah, I'm really lucky. I've got a fantastic group of friends from all over the place doing all sorts of things. Um, and I 
yeah, got involved with societies and sports and I've really learned to come out of my shell but also just be more confident in who I am and what I like and I've really grown as a person at Oxford I think it's definitely made me who I am um, and I'm really really grateful for that and what I would say is just look into it give it a go because there yeah well there will be something there will definitely be something that you can bring to the table that will be unique and there's definitely a huge amount that you can find in the ancient world that can bring things out of you that you wouldn't have even expected uh, so I'd say absolutely it is for you go for it I think that's such a big thing to say, but I think a lot of what I'm going to be saying is just basically repeating what Justin was saying, which is um, if you're thinking about doing classics, but you think that you come from a background which is not what you consider classics to normally be, um, but you're interested in the ancient world, you're interested in whatever part of it you might have come across so far, there's there's even more to it than that. There's so much involved in classics. And I think the Oxford Classics faculty um, has so many amazing people connected to it and it is it's been such a pleasure to have studied there for five years <laughs> in total um and i think yeah there's there are so many i think the other thing as well is to research um the 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 classics courses themselves but also look into the joint honors courses i know i'm i'm probably a bit biased uh again here yeah, but i i think um a real highlight of the oxford classics faculty is the the amount that it focuses on the interdisciplinary connections and it's not just like half of one degree and half of the other like they really do make the effort to to bring both halves together and I think Oxford has a variety of different joint honours courses that if you're thinking oh I really love English I don't know whether I should be sort of adding this new subject that you might not have a lot of experience with like the the I think considering a joint honours course particularly joint honours courses at Oxford I think they really do um allow you to maybe stick with something you're more familiar with and you also love but also allow you to jump into classics and all that that has to offer there's so many different branches and areas and I didn't know any I didn't even know that Percy Jackson technically was classical reception when I first read it in like year eight or year nine but it is and people have written essays about the classical reception in Percy Jackson so I think like there's there's classics all around you and there's so much going on in classics, particularly at Oxford, that if you want to explore it a bit more, I would highly recommend just looking on the course pages, doing your research and really thinking actually, you know, giving it a go and, and applying to Oxford. And I think, again, I just want to say, if I'm talking to my past self, the languages, while they might be a bit intimidating at first, like before you've started studying them, I think the Oxford course really does, I really appreciate the opportunity to have been able to learn them. Um, and it really opens so many doors and uh, really opens up the ancient world in a way that I didn't really know about when studying classical civilization. So don't be intimidated by the languages. Um, don't be intimidated by what you think Latin might be. Um, but I would say really give it a shot um, and yeah, look into all the different options there are in the in the Oxford Classics faculty, all the different courses, because there's just so much, so much there to offer. So yeah, like Justin said, really just give it a go take the opportunity and, and give it a go the, the others have been brilliant advocates for exactly that that sort of sense of you know please please don't feel that it can't possibly be for somebody from the southwest to come to oxford and study classics um because we're living proof that at least it's possible um and indeed that it's possible to do it and enjoy it 
On that note, I want to say a huge thank you to all three of our panellists for a fantastic exploration of their journey and everything that Classics has meant to them so far. So a huge thank you, Justin, Molly and Rebecca, for a fantastic discussion and conversation on this Regional Classics podcast. Well, thank you so much. No, thank, thank you. you.